Welcome back to It Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins. And I'm going to try to keep this short. This is a feature-length episode because it's quite a long episode with an awesome guy called Tim Wood. And we talk about tons of stuff. I didn't want to cut it down. So enjoy. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is, this is a treat. And... <laughs> Uh, it is. <laughs> no, you, you're too kind, Mark. But I'll accept the compliment anyway because I love compliments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're too kind to each other. We're going to be arguing at the end of this. You do know that. Don't Probably. You? I hope so. <laughs> it's going to be a heated debate. No, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. So, did you get that smoothie, by the way? That's. I did. I got one of those innocent super smoothies. It's got strawberry and banana in it. So I'm, I'm like well healthy now, um, which will offset all the pizzas I've had over the weekend. I was going to say, not many people I know buy smoothies anymore. They used to be all the rage in 2012. Smoothies. Oh, I know. The thing is, I've got a Nutribullet and I've got a blender. And I came home and I looked at that on the side and all the, the fruit and vegetables. And I just thought, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I did one. I did a smoothie for the for my um, for my boy about six weeks ago, and, and every time he, he's like, "Can I have a smoothie?" He freaking loves them. This is the best way to get fruit and veg into a kid. So, Definitely. Yeah. So I just put beetroot and spinach. No, I don't really put that in. It's <laughs> but also, like, I think you know, you you can have many like fun adult smoothies as well, like a pina colada. I learned how to make that over the weekend. You just yeah. chuck a load of bananas and rum in and some other bits and bobs, and there you go, adult smoothie. Years and years, years, and years ago, I had one of those Philips juices. Do you know the ones? And you yeah, can, yeah. You can lob a piano in there and it'll juice it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's freaking brilliant. Um, and in it, I learned how to do, um, what, is, what do they call it, a fizzy lemonade. And what you do is, I think it was four apples and two lemons without the Yeah. And the zest of the lemon makes it like a fizzy lemonade, and it's, it blows your socks off. It's absolutely amazing. I might have to give that a go later. Yeah. If you've got a juicer, you can't use a, a, a blender with it, though. That's the only issue. Yeah. Is a Nutribullet a, a juicer? I don't know. No. It, I'll probably end up receiving one for Christmas, and then I can, I can start making it. But I'll add it to the wish list. <laughs> we bought this juicer, and it was like 27 quid or something like that in Curry's. And then um, it broke, and I like, didn't think about it ever again. Then I was in Curry's the other day, wanting to buy another one, thinking, oh, I'll buy another one. And they're like 120 quid now. <laughs> uh, just things in general are so ridiculously expensive. And like, well, I'm, I'm an internal recruiter, so I don't get a commission and stuff anymore. But like, I was looking at some boots today and I was like, oh, they're pretty nice boots. But they were like discounted from 60 quid. I was like, okay, you know, we, we're in the 20 mark. No, 35. I was just like, I can't justify it because that's like... 35 sausage rolls man like that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of food you could get um so i ended up just walking away i'm, I'm worse than that though I, I am an external recruiter so i you know i get paid whatever i get paid but cash money yeah cash, you know cash <laughs> hard cash cold hard sometimes bitcoins but that's rare um <laughs> it's it'd be nice to be paid in 10 bitcoins <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I was I was on the Blacks website because I was looking for a new walking shoes. Yes, I walk, um, and and like these North Face ones, hundred eight quid. And I was like, oh god, I don't want them. And I said twenty percent off. I was like, yeah, get twenty percent off. 
And then I was looking online then for vouchers to get it even cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you can do that as well. Like with takeaways, you just like, oh, I'll order a cheeky like burger or pizza or whatever. And you just type in like just eat discount code and half the time it works. And you're like, yeah. is that allowed? I don't know. But then, you know, it, it, it's great when it does work. So you get 20% off a burger, which means you can buy 20% more stuff. And um, at least I think that's how it's meant to work. Um, although my waistline might say something different. Uh, or you do that with um, Papa John's. There's always discount codes for Papa John's or there's always oh. um, Pizza Hut and places like that, isn't there? Especially in London. Because when I was down in London, Deliveroo. Oh, isn't that? Oh. Dangerous delivery. Oh mate, I'm I'm South London as well, or South London, South. and that, yeah. that that was an awful accent, but <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that one very well. Um, still not considered a Londoner yet, but there, there's just so much choice for food. And like where I work, I'm in West London. The intro of me, and then just paste it at the start. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think maybe like four people will know who I am, um, yeah. and that'll be my family who I send this to. Because I'll be like, I'm on a podcast. Look at me. <laughs> But just, just to let everyone know about yourself, what, who are you, what do you do? So my name's Tim Woods, and um, I'm going to I'm gonna look at my LinkedIn for this. So I hire people and I write words. <laughs> Public profile. <laughs> I know, I was going to send you my CV for a laugh, and I thought, oh no, you'll, you'll end up like reading it out to people, and that'd be quite bad. My will. boss would think I'm looking for another job or something. Um, but no, I, I've been in recruitment for the last four odd years so um i, I started off as a, an administrator for um, an internal company called uh, amy plc dealing with civil engineering and stuff like that um cut my teeth there learned a lot from my boss who sort of really mentored me and um he's coming on my stag do actually so we're we're quite good mates still um and then i moved to london to the the bright lights of agency recruitment which um taught me a lot of things um <laughs> and then i went back to the world of internal recruitment so could you say i'm a failed agency recruiter maybe but um i've had a lot a lot of fun and um i, I kind of I, I see myself as a bit of a, a specialist in high volume low resource recruitment because everywhere i've worked hasn't had much of a budget so you've had to be sort of creative in in ways of attracting candidates to you and sorting out those all those hiring issues that any recruiter listening to this will be familiar with be that you know stakeholders or candidates or you know managing those sort of external relationships as well um and i currently work in higher education as a recruitment business partner so i'm responsible for all of their recruitment across you know the academic services professional services and, and support roles um and I also run a little side thing, running sort of role-playing Dungeons and Dragons games for businesses, which I set up last month because I I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> and, and and I'm going to be featuring in that in the next couple of weeks. You are. Oh, so okay. l- little plug for us there. We're going to be running a, a fun little Dungeons and Dragons podcast um, along with um, some people you may or may not know know uh, Tim Chataway, Josh Harrison, Kira Senti, and Sarah Potter. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I need to write some more plot actually because I think you guys will rattle through it really quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. Or oh, we'll get to a point where you're going to have to start ad libbing plot or something like that. Well, you? yeah, because I'll, I'll drop massive hints like the dragon gestures east, and you guys are like, let's go back to the tavern. I'll be like, oh no, what am I going to do? I'll just I'll just make some stuff up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another interesting thing about you if you're happy to talk about this if not then we'll absolutely 
is is your outside of work projects what you do outside this is one of the reasons why i wanted you on this podcast because yeah um, I'm part of a jousting team. Um, that's called, one of the uh, so, so that's one of them. We, we're called the Knights of Royal England. Um, so I'm one of the, the foot knights. So I, I do a lot of the, the sword fights and hyping the crowd. And I have this thing where I like to run into the crowd and take a few sandwiches off people um, and eat them. <laughs> that's that's a lot of fun. It's like... Have it's you like had, um, you really bad sandwiches when you've done it. Um, I well, I I don't eat meat, and I grabbed one that had chicken in, so I just kind of pretended to eat it, and then I gave it back. I was like, "Sorry, mate, like I can't, I can't actually eat this. I'm vegan." <laughs> <laughs> and the guys, oh, of course you are. Um, but no, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's it's a sort of a family owned business, and I I found the guy on LinkedIn years ago, and just I sent him a very formal like application. He was just like, "Dude, turn up, it'll be fine." Um, so I I try and do that most summers with them. Um. Yeah. And I, I also, I'm, I'm really into my sort of martial arts stuff anyway. It's just, it's a good way of keeping fit because I'm rubbish at going to the gym. So I've, I've done everything from fencing, um, HEMA to, you know, Kung Fu, Krav Maga, Eskrima, um, all, all kinds of things. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll find them online and I'll go along and if, if I like them, I'll keep doing it. Um, and it's just, a, it's a good way of like burning stress and, uh, you know, well, obviously keeping fit and you learn some practical self-defense skills as well. So if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, yeah. I'm, I'm your guy, I'll sort you out with chain mail when you can, we can go nuts. But, um, yeah, I, I just do a, a lot of things for fun really. And a, a, a big thing I, I enjoy doing and enjoy learning about is, is writing. Um, I don't know if you've seen higher right talent on LinkedIn, but, um, you know, I've talk about, yeah, higher right. Talent. Yeah. I, I've done a, a few little sort of, blogs and bits and pieces for that i mean it's it's mainly the the brainchild of kira and sarah who are absolutely fantastic and um you know they'd seen they saw my blog i wrote about how to write bad job adverts uh, which i wrote in a caffeine fueled state of rage and they really liked it so um, yeah i kind of chip in here and there to to sort of get involved on that and it's just a lot of fun really because it's a nice way to flex creative muscles i normally wouldn't um and that that sort of isn't it it's it's yeah you see you see yours you see you see kira's you definitely see sarah's out there on on the linkedin world and the creativity between you three not just before you started this this kind of joint venture together but you you, individually you were attracting attention to whatever you were trying to 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 put across to people whether it was jobs or an opinion or whatever it is that creativity was was extraordinary and we were talking before this, you've seen that. that yeah. I, I think even when Sarah might have mentioned it, that you get more traction than most marketing departments out there. It's, 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 it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy, really, because I'm just like, I still see myself as just this dude who kind of like, sort of follows people around LinkedIn, like liking their content and reading it and being like, Oh, I really like this thing that Mark's done, for example, or I like this thing that Mitch has done or Kira or Sarah or whomever it is. So then when people started reading my stuff and you know, I got like, I got 30 likes on something a few months ago. I was like, Oh my gosh, I got 30 likes and that kind of thing. And then people messaging me going, Oh, I, I really liked your thing that you did on this. I'm like, Oh, that's really kind. Thank you so much. But I've just, I, I write things that, I find funny. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah. that's a success. And then, you know, if other people find it funny, great. If they mute me, fine, do what you want. I mean, <laughs> I said it to, um, 
to a friend of mine. She's like, oh, I see you like cropping up on my LinkedIn. He's got like 20 connections. I think I'm the only one that uses it. And I said, well, my LinkedIn's kind of for me, really, and anyone who wants to read it. So like, sorry if you don't like it, just unfollow me. I won't be offended. Um, know, by the way, when people make those comments, it was, it was a, a Facebook yeah. um, I'm a part of called um, Dad Behaving Badly. He's a hilarious, this guy, Simon something. I can't remember his surname. And um, he um, wrote a post quite recently saying, I just got this from a, from a person. And they were just ranting at him how they don't like the group anymore. And now they're leaving. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> what He's like, just leave. <laughs> just go. Just give yeah. me a day. Just unlike. It's fine. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like it's just like the internet in general there's a lot of you know a lot of groups you can be part of in communities like you've got your discord thing the recruiters arms which like has always been like good fun or you've got reddit or linkedin or whatever but i mean yeah if something is inappropriate i guess or really bad you can challenge that but i mean you don't need to send a resignation letter to a facebook group that's just like i think that's just silly <laughs> But you get it on LinkedIn. I've had it a few times. I didn't yeah. like your video. I don't like the editing of your video. The sound was terrible. And, and yeah. oh, thanks, but 400 I had, liked it. What's writing you? Yeah. I mean, at, at, at the time of this recording, my cover photo is me holding a buckler shield up whilst I'm on the phone in yes. like an obviously staged photo. And I had some guy message me being like, oh, why is your cover photo a shield? It's not professional. I was like, thank you for your feedback. Like, yeah. <laughs> But this, this, well, it comes I, to, I think it's funny. It's a nice shield. I want to show people my shield. <laughs> but it shows a character, and I think that's the one thing about LinkedIn. People are moaning that everything is starting to look and sound the same. So when people do do something different, like like Sarah's posts are phenomenal, the way she attracts attention, and Mitch Sullivan, and some of the videos you see Mark Gattis do, and, and, and yeah, you know, you see that they're doing something different. But then you read down the comments, and, and then you have the opposite effect happening very, very quickly with it. It's it's quite extraordinary, actually. Exactly, and I I think the thing that I'm trying to do is I don't want to like look like someone who's trying to brand themselves as that kind of person because I mean I've I've definitely improved my profile like I had some professional headshots done by a mate of mine who does really good photography um and then that just descended into a chaos of sausage roll photos which was hilarious <laughs> um, and then I a vegan sausage roll is this the it, it, it started <laughs> off with that and I I was I I love my junk food and like I was a massive meat eater and then I went like veggie vegan um so when oh I, I just i went on youtube and i watched loads of videos and like for me it really upset me so i thought okay i'll start and i literally just binned everything in my fridge and just carried on since and like no i don't i don't i don't miss it or anything like i, I still eat pl too much food plenty of food um i'm pushing like 15 and a half stone now so i'm like oh oh gosh <laughs> need to um need to chew up because i've never been that heavy but um it's it's comforting to be that heavy at times because i'm warmer um you do binge but like oh yeah i do binge i mean i was a binger anyway and i, I definitely binge now so i've retained that that habit um but no Greg's released a vegan sausage roll. I was like, this is hilarious. It's also awesome. And I loved how they marketed it because they sent those sausage rolls in like iPhone boxes to journalist companies and newspapers and stuff. And I was like, oh, oh mad banter. Um, and I just kept buying them. <laughs> so <laughs> on, on the release day, I remember walking half an hour because uh, near Ealing where I worked, 
that Greg's didn't have one. So I walked to the next one over. I took like an hour and a half lunch break I had to get to my boss at time. But I'm really sorry. I just had to get a sausage roll. And um, she was just like, okay, I guess that's fine. Um, and for about two weeks, I had two sausage rolls a day. Um, which was pre- pretty bad on the old digestion. Then I had a week off and I just, I kept eating them. And then I started sending like, if you find, if you track down my personal Instagram and stuff, it's just like comedy selfies of me. And whether that's because I'm a narcissist or I think I'm funny remains to be decided, but I'd send them to my mum and dad and they'd be like, for goodness sake, why are you, why are you posting me like pictures of sausage rolls? I'm like, cause I think it's funny. <laughs> And then I referenced it in one of um, my university job adverts. So I just did, I did a throwaway line saying, oh, we're, we're eight minutes away from a, a famous sausage roll provider. And it was during the, the height of the Pierce Morgan stuff. And yeah. um, I, I got a few extra applications. So I thought, okay, obviously people love the sausage rolls. It's nothing to do with my quality advert or anything. Um, so yeah, I can't really answer your question for you. I, I just kind of took a joke and beat it to death constantly and I've not shut up about it but I mean there's still a bit of mileage to go but I I, I did um I think my one of my first posts that got popular recently it was a picture of me holding a sausage roll looking at it adoringly and um (laughs) people people were saying things like I'll get you a man that looks at you like Tim looks like a looks at a vegan sausage (laughs) roll and I'd show my partner Jenny and she'd just be like oh for goodness sake she's she sees all the stuff I'm doing on LinkedIn. She's just like, aren't you going to get in trouble at some point? I'm like, well, it's so far so good. Um, <laughs> uh, and the thing, though, people are getting in trouble on LinkedIn by their employers by doing stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's hilarious, though. I mean, I, I remember I, I went on Mitch's course a few years ago, um, which the company I was at at the time paid for. And then I started writing adverts in the style I'd been taught on the course. And I was getting told off for it because they're like, oh, that's not following our brand guidelines and all this sort of thing. I was just like, well, yeah, but all your jobs are getting likes from everyone else in the company. And mine are actually getting our candidates involved. So w- what's the issue? And it was a whole hoo-ha. And in the end, like, it, I mean, well, the, the company contracted slightly and I just, I moved off elsewhere because i was like um, for me agency recruitment wasn't the wasn't the thing and um yeah. I, that always stuck with me because i was just like i'm you know i went on a course i'm trying something that's different and works and is actually meaningful and i'm, I'm meeting opposition for it but then as, as i've learned from video games if there's enemies in the direction you're going you're probably going the right way so i've, I've never compromised on that and um I like that. yeah i mean i can't take credit for that quote i found it on reddit at some point during one of my 2am scrolls in bed but um most of my ideas come from reddit so <laughs> i know it's my secret secret weapon people are like wow tim you're so wise i'm like i'm not i just go and get motivated <laughs> have a about life go to reddit it, it has everything it used literally the modern yahoo questions Do you remember yahoo questions <laughs> oh yeah i mean there's a there's a there's a podcast i listen to and they answer yahoo questions and uh, by the McElroy brothers and um it, it's utterly hilarious but i mean for me if i've got a life question um i go to mum if mum doesn't work i'll go to my sister if my sister doesn't work i'll go to my dad if my dad doesn't work it's reddit yeah. um, and then after that I, I don't know maybe i'll i'll turn it into an agree post like oleg and and get loads of likes for it and that'll make me a millionaire i think that's how it works um, that's that's what you're calling yourself, though, a Timfluencer. See, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, so I, I worry that people think that's serious, but yeah, it, I just—it's another thing I find funny. Like, um, 
I, I went to like five lessons of roller derby um, like years ago and you have to think of like a puntastic name. So like, oh, Tim, what do you want your, um, what do you want your name to be? And I was just like, can I have intimidating? And they were like, no, you can't. <laughs> that, that's awful. Um, and, you know, my, my colleagues at work, they have to put up with me nine to five and they're, they're real heroes because my jokes are awful and I delight in the jokes that make people groan because um, you just... That, that's my humor it's that dad humor i've picked up from my dad it's well i, I didn't pick it up from my dad I, I think i picked it up over years of just listening to too many comedians say too many things and 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 try to be, <laughs> try to be funny all the damn time and it really is to, especially when you phone hr and then you try to crack a joke <laughs> i know and, and you're like ah um, but humor's actually got me jobs, got me business. Humor's actually yeah. me, which I, I, you know, people come to me saying, "I love your po- I love your podcast, or I love your videos," because I, I don't mean to make them funny. By the way, I just make the odd facial expression or something like that. Yeah, but, but I think it's just you know, humor is so helpful for so many things. Like I've, you know, like anyone else, you you have rough points in it, and humor gets you through, or you know someone needs cheering up you give them a bit of humor but like you said to get you jobs i mean in interviews um like my interview for um, my current role they they asked me you know why us why recruitment and i answered the first four questions they wanted to ask because i just kept going on and on they could not shut me up um because they got me talking about my favorite subject which is me um (laughs) i joke but it's just like everyone's everyone's i don't know i just I, I can't be serious. It's really difficult for me. I, I, no, I think I think you can. I think you do know the line, and and that's the thing about someone that's always seeking comedy, always seeking yeah. comedy in situations. And I find, I I find awkward situations hilarious, and it's really bad. Oh yes. I tried cracking jokes at funerals, by the way. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I, I did it at my wife's nan's funeral. I cracked jokes. I had people in stitches, and it was it was the wrong place <laughs> to do. Yeah, but you put you really put the fun into funeral. <laughs> I did. I put the <laughs> but that's that's the thing though. I I hate. And then whenever I'm in job interviews, or whenever I'm interviewing candidates, or even in client meetings, if, if it goes quiet, I just crack a joke. I don't care. It's, oh. Most of uh, yeah, most of my BD when I was an agency with clients, I'd maybe do like three minutes of business stuff, but then they'd ask me about my jousting and this, that, and the other because I'd tell everyone about it. So I'm like, look at me, I'm different, and they they'd absolutely love it. And I'd have people coming up to me at events going, "Oh, you're you're the sword recruiter, aren't you?" And I was just like, "Yeah, that's me. I'm I'm the guy who, like does fencing and stuff." Yeah, with swords, you know, here's pictures of me in armor, and they're like, oh, that's great. And then my boss would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, BD. Um, I'm not, I'm just building relationships, which I later learn is BD like, at its finest, I guess. Yes, it is, though, building relationships and people being, you being rememberable to people for good things yeah. is, is, is developing relationships, which, like you say, is part of business development. Yeah, and just being nice to people. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's the aim of it. And I think that's the direction I try to go with everything I do with my business. And, and um, I, I'm starting to believe in this personal brand nonsense, by the way, which <laughs> really annoying me that, because I used to be like, what the fucking hell is personal brand? What are you on about? But now I'm kind of getting it. I know what it means now. It just means being known for something. 
that's it. It's all yeah. Or, or even just being authentic to who you are because all my my people in my personal life they know I like my knights and my sword fighting and stuff they know I like my video games and my writing um, and I, I just you know I, I can't construct a mask and facade for online stuff it's just too hard I mean I have if you go really far back in my LinkedIn I'm just your, your standard corporate internal recruiter who likes the odd controversial thing but it's too scared to say it and you know maybe it does the odd pun and I'd, I'd be like oh, oh edgy um but now I've just stopped being as worried about that I mean I'll, I won't post things that attack people or like loads and loads of swear words or anything like that because that's just who I am personally and I don't have the energy to try and pretend otherwise you just yeah. gotta be happy in who you are I guess and you know if people don't like who I am as a person but well, that's fine I probably wouldn't want to them to follow me and me follow them anyway if they take issue with that exactly but it's really really important to do it but equally it's so easy to be yourself because it's the most natural thing to do the moment you start oh yeah to be someone else you're going to get found out really quickly unless exactly unless you're like um i don't know a persona on the internet then and you're known as that persona if you if you get yeah ed hunter he's known as that persona (laughs) That could be all of the See, people. <laughs> are you telling me Ed, you're telling me Ed Hunter isn't real? I thought Ed Hunter was an act, a real entity. I, well, I guess he must not be. For, wow. For, for, the, for the, the guys over at Hunted, I know who it is. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, um, I was talking to some of the guys at Hunted on LinkedIn because oh, one of them posted something funny. I was just like, hey, how's it going? And um, after a while, I was just like, what, you know, I, I want to know who Ed Hunter is, but it'd be like finding out who Batman was if Batman was real. Like, you kind of, you want to know, but you don't. Um, and like, I remember reading Ed Hunter when I was like an agency recruiter and I thought, oh, this is hilarious, especially the ones digging like senior managers. And that. Oh, it's brilliant. And then when you were like listening to what he was saying, about certain things. Have I lost you, by the way? Are you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I thought I lost you then. When, when, <laughs> when, he was, when he was saying things about, like, that really resonated, and you're kind of looking around the room going, is he in this room? Is he, is he here? Yeah. That's just literally happens here. But you don't realise it happens in every freaking recruitment office across the land. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I realised I was in um, – a place I wasn't too happy with and I, I scrubbed them from my LinkedIn, but I was shown the brass ball scene from Glengarry Ross, non-ironically. Um, <laughs> do you know that always be closing scene? And they, they showed us that like, Oh, we got a training video for you. It's a bit, bit of fun and stuff. And I was just like, Oh, that's a hilarious parody. And they're like, no, you've got to be always closing. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you want me to just hard sell everyone? They were like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like I'm, that's, that's not my kind of put, thing and if i was to go back into like a hardcore sales role it'd be organic and yeah. you know like building relationships with people and then a few months or years later they might be like oh tim you do the thing i need can you help me out and i'd be like yeah of course i can but yeah that i'll, I'll always remember that they'll always be closing and you know the the people i was in that ring with some are still an agency and some have gone internal and i occasionally message them just abc with a few exclamation marks and we'll have a good old reminisce but the fact that mentality exists out there is is terrifying. But it's not just um, mentality, though. You, when I've worked at companies and I've I've met recruiters that have been given um, the oh, what was it called Boiler Room DVD. Oh, that's, that's yeah companies and also Wolf for Wall Street as well, which is the modern version of Boiler Room in my opinion. Ah, uh, the Jordan Belfort memes. <laughs> that was a 
was that two or three years ago when that came out and it was just all over LinkedIn with like motivational quotes with oh. Leonardo DiCaprio with a cocktail and I, I just it was a great way of identifying who to unfollow um, it, was, it was literally like putting a badge on someone that says I'm an idiot it, it, <laughs> it's, that's good let's get rid of you next and, yeah but the thing is people believe that shit and people you know the, the movie Wolf of Wall Street I get it it's, it's a great movie as in as, absolutely you know what i mean it's a fantastic movie but yeah it's it's entertaining and you know like things like the hangover or whatever but then to idolize and try and live those ideals i mean it'd be like watching john wick and then going around trying to like shoot loads of people it's just it, <laughs> yeah. it's it's entertainment and reality and reality and they're two distinctly different things and if you're looking at like a a film that is essentially a story about a guy's downfall because of greed and dishonesty, but you're going, Oh yeah, but he had a yacht and a supermodel wife and everything really successful. So I'm going to act like him. I'm like, yeah, but it destroyed him. And you know, now he's going around basically giving entrepreneur type talks, um, which I'm sure Mr. Winnett might be undercover at at some point. I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure he is. And, <laughs> I loved I loved his series. I watched it on YouTube, then I sent it to my mum and dad because I was oh, I was partly worried they might turn up at one. But also, like, um, I just thought it was fantastic that someone's actually you know taking a stand. Almost is is that making it too grand? But I mean, you know, you see Mr. Belfort going around doing all of that stuff, and it's basically the the same con, but to pay off the millions and millions of debt to the government that he still owes. It is, and 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 like you hit the nail on the head. If you're idolising this guy. That entire movie is all about his complete crash to be in a noble. Yeah. At the end of the movie. But I mean, I can't talk, Mark, so I idolised Lord of the Rings and then I joined a, a group where you dress up as a knight. So, you know, it's all swings and roundabouts, really. <laughs> but when they make your movie, it, it would look very similar to the Thrones. <laughs> that would be a boring movie. Game Just like, oh, hi. Or something like that. <laughs> It would, it would. Oh. But actually, like someone has actually asked me this the other day: if someone made a movie about you, who would you want to play you? And oh. I, I, honestly, I really thought about it for a long, long time. <laughs> like, who would long, play you? Like, I was going to cast myself. <laughs> like, yeah. Myself. And and I kept coming back to this person. Um, and and I'm not going to mention just yet. I just want to build it up. I kept coming back to this person, where. He has changed so much throughout his life, but he hasn't yeah. aged. And people say, I'm 40 this year. I haven't aged, apparently. So, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> You're <laughs> breathtaking. <laughs> just, just, I feel like him some days, especially in his early days in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Where yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much my younger days as well. It's like, dude, really, man? It's like that. It was. Oh, and then my that'd be brilliant. Days, yeah, it's like my matrix days where I actually smartened up a little bit, and then uh, now he's just, he's just. I think he's even more awesome now. He's fifty-four. He's the. Same. Is he? Yeah, he's the same age as Richard um, uh, Medley. I think his name is from One Foot in the Grave. Started One Foot in the Grave. He's the same age as him. Right wow! Now. And, and not as in, in you know, obviously Richard's a lot older now. But when he started One Foot in the Grave, he was fifty-four, and Keanu Reeves is fifty-four. Uh, That's insane! Isn't that how is he? How does he look so good? What's I, his secret? I don't know. I think he's got a painting in the attic. <laughs> yeah something like that or he's an, a secret immortal or an alien or 
but no, he's a, he's a great guy. I mean, I've, I've seen the Keanu memes, so and that's yeah. basically where I get my information these days is memes. So, yeah. you know, he, Keanu's good in my book, but that's no, he's a good person to play you, mate. I, I'd watch that film. What about you? Who would, who would play you? I'm just trying to think. I, I've got an idea. Like, I can't who, who do you think? Jack Whitehall. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's bang on. Jack Whitehall would be brilliant. <laughs> I was going to be like, just suggest like Ryan Reynolds, but you're completely right. It's either like Jack Whitehall or someone like Jack Whitehall. I don't know, yeah. James Corden or something. <laughs> no, admittedly, that's that. If, if I could change the actor throughout my years, James Corden is my 28 to 38 years. Yeah. He's just a fat bastard. I've just. I've just Googled Jack Whitehall. He looks a bit like me. Oh, that's really weird. <laughs> to say, you need oh to my gosh. Get your ass on Netflix tonight and watch him and his dad touring the world. You oh, I watched that. I see the thing is I watched that with, um, with Jenny and we just like, we, we love that show, especially Michael Whitehall. Cause he's just hilarious. But I've just, I've just opened my LinkedIn. I put the first picture of Jack Whitehall on uh, Google images next to it, and it's actually pretty scary. It is. You're Jack Whitehall. I, I thought you were at first when I first spotted. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet him and see if he wants a <laughs> a non celebrity impersonator, and just see if we want to switch switch jobs for a day. I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm reeling from this revelation, Mark. It's, this is now an audio sort of recording of my breakdown. This is insane. <laughs> of your breakdown and and then you're going to be at the end of this you're going to be revitalized into the world and i really yeah. sorry for the listeners because we're just having a random conversation here with no direction at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we said this is what it's going to be like this is what you're going to be like so um bring this back on track definitely uh, i'm trying to bring us back on track at least we we were talking before this podcast about uh on the phone yesterday about weird jobs do you remember yeah that? so Go for it. Go on. Go for it. You t- tell us about your Okay. <laughs> I know which one you want me to talk about. I'll put, I'll put it up. So um, my, my, my first job, I, um, I worked for a big charity um, and I was basically, it wasn't cold calling. Um, it was kind of like tepid calling. So it's people who, you know, donated once or twice and then you ring them when they're having their dinner and you go, oh, hello, it's Tim from such and such. Can you donate some money to this fantastic good cause? And it was all wonderful. And I did that for about, 11 or 12 months it was like my first temp job so I, I didn't take it too seriously but it taught me my phone manner and how to use a phone and all those wonderful things um i then worked for a local authority for about 18 months so i worked in sort of disabled parking safeguarding um so some pretty sort of non-funny uh, kind of subject matters and that kind of forced me to grow up a little bit because you know you're dealing with people with like, disabilities or have been in you know nasty situations and you know that stuff kind of stays with you a little bit and yeah. you know you I was I was still like 19 I was developing my brain still and who I was as an adult and that taught me sort of the you know how, how to navigate work politics how to write emails properly um you know how turning up at nine thirty-five when you're due at nine o'clock hungover isn't really the best thing to do in the job uh and that kind of thing it's a weird apprenticeship isn't it Learning yeah it's, it's 
And, you know, I, I remember like I'd be at my, my office job with my shirt and tie on thinking, you know, I'm a right little, right little adult. Um, and then I'd go back home to my parents and I'd tell them all about my work day and um, it'd be like coming home from school a little bit. So I'd be adult in the day and then a child again at night. Um, and then I'd go back to my own place and like eat some jumbo hot dogs from Poundland. Um, and it was in this this council job, I met an occupational therapist, um, a lovely lady, and she said, oh, Tim, you know, you're, you're, you're quite good at sort of writing emails and just writing in general, because you actually did your A-levels out of all of us here. Um, would you like to do some side work and help out a, a friend of mine? I said, yeah, sure. What do they need? He goes, well, initially just some like admin emails and like filing and stuff. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go and have a chat with him. So I met this guy in a pub. I won't mention his name or anything, but um, basically he was a retired army sniper. Um, He started a surveillance and private investigations company. (laughs) So I was like, okay, that's quite cool. Um, basically, in, in the conversation, like, I, w- I fell in love with this romanticized idea that I'd basically be like Jason Bourne or something. So I was just like, I'll, I'll do some like typing work for you if you teach me like all the cool like secret agent stuff, you know. So he was like, yeah, all right, mate, no problem. So he, he paid for me to go on a course and get all the necessary like vetting and, and things that I needed. And, you know, I was helping him out on like disability fraud cases or like tracking down people's lost cars or cars that they reckon have been stolen, but the police couldn't investigate or like cheating partners and this kind of thing. And uh, I ended up like <laughs> just <laughs> falling into this really weird world where I'd meet up with him and all his mates and they'd be, you know, having a, a good old chat about you know the different conflicts and, and theatres they'd been to in, in actual war and then they'd ask me about my experience and I'd be like oh I, I assessed blue badge applications and did this that and the other I'd be like oh but I'm a I'm a blue belt in kung fu and they'd be like oh that's great mate yeah and yeah. you know I was just hanging out with these like absolutely hardcore dudes and like I've done some like great stuff with it I mean I remember we did some work for um like sky tv so we'd have to go into pubs and see if they were using the commercial sky or whether they were using a private sky which they weren't allowed to broadcast within a pub and we'd literally have to go in have a pint take a picture of the tv screen um and then leave and i was like i can't believe i'm like doing all of this stuff and it, it, it was a great way of showing me how many other skills i have not just from my office sort of grunt work that I started off doing, but that I can do lots of different things and use those in a business setting almost, or at least a a way to to make money in which I can then live. And, you know, I I stopped doing it after a while because it was a, it was a weird murky world and it wasn't really me and the hours were long and I wanted to get like proper jobs and and stuff. And then like everyone else, I fell into recruitment. Um, Exactly. But and you know, there's only so many times you can pee into a Lucasin bottle though in the in the steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> I, I tell people about it in interviews, and they're like, "Oh, that must have been so cool." And I just think back, and I'm like, "It was quite, it was quite boring a lot of the time. You just sat with a camera, like yeah. hoping something will happen, and then the client goes, oh, what's happened?'" You go, "Nothing." The repairs, the report, and then they go, "Oh, we're not going to pay you because nothing happens." Like, did you want me to? conjure up some disability fraud um that's sort of under you know people that actually need it out of loads of money or not and it's just it was a weird world mark basically is what i'm trying to say and um 
a lot, a lot of fun. It's a great talking point at parties and interviews, and, and yeah. that's basically that. But I mean, um, I, I'm I'm very good at you know if, if I think someone's following me to mug me or something, I just look in the shop window and I'm like, oh, that, I know that person. I can run away. So if anything, it just made me more paranoid, basically. It is, yeah. I've 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 done some jobs. I don't think they're weird jobs, but I've done some random jobs in yeah on my CV. Yeah, some of them. What's been your favourite weird job? Um, club DJ. Oh, that's awesome. And and no one knows this. Well, I might have mentioned this in a podcast or so to someone I'm sure in the past. Then they may know it. My wife definitely knows this. But yeah. I get paid um, between fifty to one hundred and fifty two hundred pound a night to play music, obviously in nightclubs. Um, yeah, and I didn't mix one song because. <laughs> <laughs> I went on my computer and just pre-mixed all the all the music and <laughs> CDs. Right? I used to go to the clubs uh, um, with um, like two, three boxes, metal boxes of CDs and some vinyl as well. I never really use much vinyl. Not many clubs have vinyls, um, and, and this is like I just I was I was just before I became a student. Before I went to university, I, I left my my apprenticeship. And about a year and a half before I became a student, um, I was doing these random things. Like I worked in Curries, worked in Halfords, and I was doing being a yeah. And I was doing it across the whole of South Wales, from, from um, half west all the way over to Cardiff. And um, so I used to get hired, and I used to get paid quite a lot of money, quite and loads of free drink as well. So I used to get quite drunk, and uh, so I used to carry all these boxes, walking into these places, set myself up in the DJ booth. And then, you know, get, get the music going, hit play on this one big CD and just literally stand there for about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> pretend to be mixing. Um, I could mix it, don't get me wrong. I could do it and I still kind of muck about with it now. Um, but yeah, I just thought that's my hack to be in a deep oh. in a nightclub. Um, so yeah, I used to do that um, and I got paid quite a lot of money to do it. But the best that's night I've brilliant. Got yeah, it was it was back it was back in the time though where where nightclubs and pubs were rammed with people. So no one yeah. as long as it was rammed, the dance floor was busy and the and the bar was ticking over with people, no one gave a crap. They'll pay anyone anything. But the bar yeah. still got minimum wage and I was on hundred and fifty quid just to play a CD. It's <laughs> just, you know, absolute nuts. And then um, I remember when I was a student, I tried to do that in a couple of clubs. In, in, there's one called Bar Me. I don't know if any Bristol people are listening to, to us. Uh, it's closed down. It closed down years ago. And um, I got friendly with the DJ there. And I said, I, I, you know, I DJ in, in, in West Wales. And he goes, oh, you should get a night here. I'll, I'll hook you up with someone. So they hooked me up with this guy. And they put the, the uh, mix CD in. And it didn't work. <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> So I had, proper, I had to proper do it. They didn't like what I did, so I never got a job. Oh my but, gosh! But, what was your like? What was your DJ name? Did uh, you have a DJ? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it, is it one you can't repeat? <laughs> it's suit is sad. It's Marky Mark. That was it. Oh yes. <laughs> did um, you get everyone to, like chant it? Like you'd put your hands up and they'd all go like Marky Mark. No. Um, oh. it, was, it was one. There was basically a club in in Carmarthen in West Wales called Savannah's. It was an over twenty one club, and I just literally second night I ever DJ jam. It was a birthday party. The place was rammed with um, like anyone in the age of twenty five to, to fifty, and one of them I used to go to school with. 
um, and he said to me, oh, um, uh, what did he say? Oh, I want some heavy metal music. And the, the uh, manager <laughs> said to me, you do not play this, you do not play that. And one of the things was heavy metal music. So I said, um, oh, uh, let, let, I can't. Uh, you're you're going to have to clear it with the manager. And there was this phone in the DJ booth. And, and it kept going off all the time. And I couldn't hear it at first. And so basically, she came over and she said, just play wherever they want. Play wherever they want. They're kicking out. Play wherever they want. So I gave the microphone to this kid, right? Yeah. Birthday. Well, isn't a kid. He was 25, I think. Um, and I gave it to Oh, no, it was 21. It was his 21st birthday. That makes sense, huh? <laughs> so I gave it to him. And he said, thank you, DJ Marky Mark. So that was, that was the moment. And then Papa Roach um, comes on. <laughs> I played Papa Roach, oh, and it was like brilliant. Two and a half hours of heavy metal music, and there was um, I tried to get into a heavy metal club in Bristol. It was the only time I ever played heavy metal music. Daps it off his face nuts. But the other weird job I had was working in a really horrid, damp bike shop in Bristol, which um, the owner uh today would be probably brought up on bullion charges but used to come in and wow like, honestly it used to be six or seven of us the the, the sorry the, not the owner the the owner's father who didn't work for the just walked around the building on this bike <laughs> randomest thing ever and we were building bikes for christmas and stuff like that so there's loads of these bikes and he used to walk into the room going hey mark what you're a bit fucking fat aren't you <laughs> what? No, and, and, and like, and there was there was um one of the girls used to work in the shop floor, and it was really I can't I don't want to repeat what he was saying, but I, I, it it made me uncomfortable. And the stuff yeah, was he was a creepy old man. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, it was weird, very strange. Uh, and like, I, I I really hate it when people make like little comments like that because they can really stay with you. Like, I had a manager once tell me he was like, "Oh, Tim, you'll you'll never be a recruitment business partner. It'll take you like twelve years at least if you do get there." And then you know, year and a half later, I I got the job title. Have I got the skill? Well, the, I'll let my boss decide that in my appraisal. But I was just like, I I thought of that instantly when I got the job, and then like. Even though I I know it's because they were nasty and and this kind of thing, it's, those little comments can stay with you. And like him saying that to you, I feel that's right out of order. Uh, definitely would be bullying charges now. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, that's a HR problem in its own right, and you would have taken yeah. it further. But that hasn't stopped though. I, I I'm, I'm not going to mention which company it was, but there was a company I worked for in the past, and he used to say that as well to 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 staff. And um, one of my colleagues was wearing a blue suit. And he walks in and he goes, no, nah, mate, never wear that suit again. You look ugly in it. Wow. I'm serious. I'm serious. What an odious person. <laughs> I know. I just, and I, I, yeah. If you lost a bit of weight, Mark, you'd be, I reckon you'd be a, quite a top level manager. What does that mean? What the? So what? Managers can't be overweight. I'm not like, I'm, I know I'm a little overweight, a little porky, but. It's by the by, isn't it? Yeah. The the thing is, Mark, we we only get one life in this world, which is my own belief. We might reincarnate. I don't know. I've I've not seen it personally. But like, if you've only got, say, one life or at least one go in this current era of time, wouldn't you just want to spend your energy on making the world a little bit of a nicer place for everyone and just being you know just a bit kind rather than a bit horrible because surely it takes more effort to be nasty to someone and then like i i 
I still like, I'm in the shower and I'll think of like a horrible thing I said at school 15 years ago and I'll be mortified for the day. And um, maybe I'm just super sensitive, but I'm like, just, just be, just don't be a horrible person. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> I, get I get that sometimes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm laying in bed at night and something will flash in my head that I did two, three years ago or I said to someone and I'm mortified. Absolutely mortified. Yeah. And it'll be with me for the rest of the night and I can't sleep. And I don't know why. Yeah. I, I, it really, it, I wish I could somehow like delete that memory or something because I said something or I did something or I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Or embarrassed. It, it's probably your brain just being like, hey, remember how horrible this was? Don't do it again. Yeah. And you're like, I'm sorry, brain, I won't. That's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I fly too short for, for nasty things. Just, just don't be a douche. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's my word of advice um, to everyone out there listening. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a don't be a douche. <laughs> the name of the podcast. Hashtag name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I, 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 you know, weird job-wise, kind of, kind of capping that. Um, I think if you haven't done weird jobs in your life, um, try to do something that's weird so you can understand the human spirit. And that's what yeah. I think or if- I've learned the most about it. Yeah, or if you're a person listening to this, you've been offered a job and you're like, oh, it's a bit weird. I'm not sure if I can do it, but I kind of want to do it. Just do it. I mean, it's not going to kill you unless it's like a hand grenade tester or something. Um, and like, if you if you want to start your own little side business, I don't know, like making wooden swans or rugs or running Dungeons and Dragons games for people, just like, just do it. It's the worst that's going to happen. You close it down. Okay, lesson learned. Try again. Like When I was a student, one of my friends came to me and said... Um, I've been offered a job and, I, and it's night work. And I thought, oh, bar, or maybe she's a DJ. Um, no, stripper. I, I'm not joking. Okay. And I thought, oh, I, I generally thought my heart sunk for her as well. She's a pretty girl. Oh, do you really want to be doing it? But she invited us all to go and see her. And it was really kind of, it was burlesque. It was, it was arty. It was quite beautiful. Yeah. And she got thousands of pounds a night for doing it as well. It was nuts tips that she was getting 10 pound notes from chinese businessmen and, and stuff like that she yeah you've got it but she uh, and that's the thing job ever she's ever done but she got a lot of money. yeah well it's it's just in empowerment at the end of the day and if if someone's not forced into you know working jobs of that nature or whatever and it's not illegal then go for it like as long as you're happy and you're safe like and that's the same for any job if you're not happy in a job you're in the wrong job and that could be down to you're just having a tough time in the business you weigh up whether you want to get through it or you know whether it's not the right place for you to be but I, i mean a lot of people get worried about the one year on on cv thing um you know you gotta have a cv two pages and show tenure for at least a year in all your companies i mean my cv's definitely not like that but you just yeah and you know if people want to sort of prejudge you based on that is that a place you'd even want to work i mean unemployment's at its lowest currently i think unless i'm horrifically wrong um that there's plenty of jobs out there for people um and for me the the most valuable skill i learned is the power of having a network and then leveraging it i mean a, a big person who's influenced me in my like recruitment career who i 
I talk about sometimes, I don't know if I've done anything too public about it, but I'm, when I first started out in recruitment, I typed in like recruitment on LinkedIn and like Mitch's blogs came up and I read them and I was like, oh, those are hilarious. I'll send him a little message and, you know, actually started talking to me back. But, you know, since then, you know, I've, I've been in this course and I've met him for like the odd coffee here and there if we've happened to be in the same area. And like, yeah, dudes influenced me majorly. I mean, like I, I consider one of my strongest like recruitment bowstrings to be my copywriting and i've improved few to apply ratios in in everywhere i've worked which is like one of the top things on my cv by the way um and you know that that was all down to the fact that you know someone replied to a message of of mine because i wrote it in a nice way and just says you know hey you know if you want some pointers here's some some resources here's where you can go for help and sort of empowering me to go do that and you know I, I went through periods where I was going to leave recruitment. So I was like, oh, can I have a call? So he like talked to me. It was just like, you're, you're not a rubbish recruiter. You're just in a bad place. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I need to think about it in a different way. That is the nail on the head. If you're yeah. feeling like that, if you're not a rubbish recruiter. There is a different flavor of recruitment role for everyone out there that enjoys doing recruitment. If you don't enjoy doing yeah. recruitment, as in speaking to people and trying to do stuff in recruitment, then leave it. Go and work Yeah. I mean, I, I suck at making a hundred phone calls a day. Um, I'm very good at writing things to people, but I'm a true millennial in which I get anxious when people ring me and I'm like, Oh, why is someone calling me on my phone? That's for like Reddit. Um, but you know, I, you know, I've, I've got over that now for my, for my sort of the, the last few roles I'm in, but I mean, if my skill is in writing then I will make my strongest skill set around that. So like for me, my, my job adverts or the, the content I write to, you know, get people talking about me maybe, or at least interested in me and maybe looking at who I'm working for and thinking that those jobs might be appropriate for them. Yeah. For me, that's sort of mission accomplished if that happens. I mean, I joined my most recent role when adverts weren't getting that much engagement. Um, as soon as I started rewriting them and, you know, putting them in the right places for people, we noticed an increase in applications. I mean, it wasn't sort of any harder than that, really. It's just, you know, working hard, making sure that what you're doing is appropriate for what you're selling and you sort of, you've got it all together, really. But I mean, I learned all of that on that course and from following people far better than me at, at writing or marketing or whatever you call it um and i kind of just incorporate those best parts to try and make myself better because for me i want to be the, the best version of myself i am um uh, and that's kind of what i'm trying to do just make sure each day i'm doing a little something towards one of my goals and that is a lovely little link to another subject matter that we wanted to talk about which was no more zero days oh it's like i was reading our podcast thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Notes. why are we gonna go next with this <laughs> yeah i um no i i just this isn't my concept i can't take any credit for it at all other than the fact i may bring it to someone's attention today um but i i found this on reddit like i do all of my best stuff um <laughs> basically this i can't remember the user's name I, I did a blog post on it years ago and i deleted it when i started doing my my new monthly ones that i've, I've started posting but it's basically um someone asked a question like oh i've i'm rubbish at going to the gym and my job and i just feel in a rut and there's no way out of it and this guy um commented he was basically like right um get out of this mindset right now um 
you can take an action every day towards one of your goals. So if you want to get fitter and you want to get stronger and lose a bit of weight, I mean, is it hard to do one push up? Everyone's like, no, I can do one push up. One push up's easy. Okay, go do it. See, on a Monday, do one push up. And then the second day, you're like, okay, I did one push up. I'm really proud of that. And you think, yeah, yesterday wasn't a zero day because I did one single thing towards my goal. So I was thinking, okay, I want to be fit. I did a push up. I can galvanize myself with that fact to be happy with that fact and this, on day two you're like thank you past me for doing that cracking stuff i'm going to do two push-ups today or just one push-up doesn't matter so you do that one or you do that two push-up and you're like hey two days in a row that's awesome you're just setting yourself these like micro goals to mm. achieve what you want and for me like i very recently i i went through a little bit of a hard time because i'd I'd taken on too much i was trying to do all these side projects and like I'm planning for a wedding, which is a massive amount of time and, and, you know, sometimes stressful in itself. I live in London, so it's bloody expensive. Um, I, I'd just taken on far too much. So I sort of, you know, booked in to talk to someone about it. And, um, I've been going, going on that journey myself and I've come back to this no more zero days thing because I can do one little thing a day towards all the things I want to do. So for my writing, I, I'll write maybe a paragraph or even a sentence of a novel that I'm trying to write. Um, and with my fitness, you know, I'll, I'm eating healthy every day now and that's my one thing and I'll go to the gym occasionally and then I've done two things. And basically, once you're doing these tiny little behaviours towards your goals and what you want to achieve or even just better yourself with, it, it slowly snowballs and adds up and then you can start thinking, hey, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm on a good journey here and on a good path. I mean, you, you will slip up and fall off the path at some point. Uh, the, the key there, and this is a lesson I really need to learn still, is, is just to be kind to yourself. Um, I'm really bad at that. I've got awful imposter syndrome and I will like rip myself to pieces over, over stuff and convince myself I'm the worst human being alive. Um, and it, it can be a real sort of pain to deal with. But if you just kind to yourself you think okay you know it didn't work work out today so i had a zero day but tomorrow that can be a non-zero day or i could do have a have a two day rather than a one day and just make it up that way so i just think it's like achievable goals and not beating yourself up about it which is advice parroted everywhere but for me the no more zero day thing just it helped me motivate myself and when i've struggled with that in the past it's you know it's always stood out to me so i mean if you google no more zero days there's a subreddit dedicated to it and people who've put it far more eloquently than i have but just basically if you want to go do something there's no excuse not to do it just have a go the concept that for my business i'm using daily because some days is hard in business especially when you're running your own thing because you're not People think that when you're running um, a business that it's going to happen all day, every day. There's days where you're sitting there staring at a computer screen going, why is nothing happening? Why isn't anyone coming back? Mm. And it's really, really hard. So that's why I do things like these podcasts, why I do videos, because if you do one thing, just one thing per day, it, it's like you say, it's snowballed. It advances your yourself forward. Um, it's amazing what one thing does in 10 days' time. You know what I mean? What, yeah. One thing a day for 10 days, one thing a day for 30 days. It, it, yeah. It's extraordinary that what happens. But like you just said, and I am, I am a victim of imposter syndrome, by the way. I'm a victim of it. I, mm. I hate this fake it till you make it bullshit. I really can't stand it. Um, and it's, I, when people come to me going, oh, Mark, can you give us some advice on this? And I'm like, why do you think I'm the one to give you advice on that? 
Yeah. It, and when people like compliment you, you're like, why? <laughs> I remember like when Sarah and Kira messaged me about higher right stuff and like, oh, we like your blogs and stuff. Do you want to chat? And maybe we could put like use some of your blogs and, and that. And I was just like, okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's two people I'm following and I'm like, damn, they're wicked. I want, I want to write like that. And then like, hey, we like your stuff. I'm like, why? What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but you know, now I look back and I'm like, that's great. And I've made two great friends out of it. And you know, it's, it, it's awesome. And you know, for, for me, LinkedIn's been really positive because I've met all these wonderful people like yourself. I mean, I came across your stuff. I can't remember, like three years ago, something like that. You, you were doing posts or videos or something, and I just added you because I was a really enthusiastic like agency yeah. recruiter back then. And I was like, hey, Mark, I love your stuff. Let's be friends. Um, <laughs> and, and do you know what? It was just post posting, honestly. Um, I, I, yeah. It was, it was I, you know, like you said with about Mitch, I got my lead from Mitch as well and the way he did yeah. it. And before I went on this course, I only, I've only recently gone one of his courses last um, last September. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I always thought that I kind of got it, what he was trying to do. So I had to go myself and, and he did start going. You did actually message me saying, oh, I'm liking some of your stuff. However, this is what you need. Yeah. And you kind of got... And that's the thing. Yeah. He, he's just honest with you. And um, another good person I, I talked to about copy quite a lot, um, he seen a guy on LinkedIn with Stuart Walton. He does, um, does websites for people, get pro copy. But like, I, I talk to him pretty much all the time on, on LinkedIn. Um, just because I, I liked his post about like cracking open bottles of San Pellegrino and things to celebrate. And I was just like, this guy's awesome. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like, I own his own business. And you know, do videos of him walking his dog and just being like, yeah, this is how I work. Uh, you know, I've, I've just put this client. It's great fun. And um, this is fantastic. Um, well, it, it's a very serious topic, but the way he covers it is great. But about people not paying small businesses in time. And I'm sure, Mark, you'll appreciate that where, you know, big corporates will pay within 60 or 90 days. They can make their cash flow more creative. Whereas, you know, for you, that's a roof over your head and your, your kids and, and everything like that. And, you know, I, it, I didn't really think of that topic um, before, before he raised it and I messaged him. I was like, Hey, I, you know, I found that really informative. He was like, Oh, thanks man. I'd look at your post. I liked it as well. And, and that's how that connection started. So there's so many wonderful people out there on LinkedIn. You just need to find the ones you like listening to and just say hello. I mean, no one's ever really got annoyed at people saying hello. I, I think they get annoyed if you cold sell them straight away. Um, oh, I I, <laughs> this morning, a, a, a recruiter, I don't know why he's phoning me because I can't be asked to answer the phone to him, but he would connected with me at nine thirty-seven this morning. And by 10 past 10, he'd phone me four times. Um, yeah. It's come on, mate. You know, chuck me a message. This is 21st, yeah. 2019. There's WhatsApp, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter. Yeah. You know, me a message. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um... I wrote an article called shut up and take my money. And it was just like my preference of being salty. Cause like, I guess I get pitched to all the time as an agency recruiter. It's like, hi Tim, I've got 50 million candidates for you. And I'm like, well, I'm not recruiting for a like Salesforce developer. We don't even have it. So I'm not interested. Thank you very much for your time. But one guy, he had to be on LinkedIn. was like, I loved your article. It was great. I was like, Oh, thank you for, thank you, mate. Nice to connect. Have a lovely day. Um, and then he, he called me at work and I was in a meeting, so I, I couldn't take his call. Um, and he called me when I was on my lunch. I wasn't there. I couldn't take his call. I tried to call him back, missed his call. So I was like, okay, you know, he's busy, BD day or whatever. And then I got um, an email, like, dear Mr. Wood, um, 
I was unable to get hold of you today. Um, but please like have a look at all of our like marketing collateral basically. And here's a list of every single industry under the sun that we cover or will consider doing because we really want your money. Please. Thank you very much. I was just like, Oh, standard like agency fluff email. I'll reply to it when I've got a spare five minutes, which in internal, when you're the only person there recruiting for a big university, you don't get a lot of free time. Uh, And then the next day I got a letter in the post from the same guy with the same message that was in the email. And I was just like, what, what on earth's going on? And then that day we had like three phone calls um, and eventually I managed to catch him and I was just like, Oh, hi, it's, it's great to talk, but like, Dude, it's day three since we connected and like you've sent me like a letter well maybe not day three like a week but you sent me like letters and emails and like i was going to think he was going to send like a bailiff round or something i was just like i thought is this an invoice i've not paid or something but no it wasn't it was just a very badly targeted um sales approach and i'm i'm really i don't like rocking the boat or even complaining in restaurants or cinemas or anything like that i just don't do it but i was actually like can you please take me off your list and not do this because it's like really putting a beat in my bonnet um you know i've I've had some it's frustrating yeah and when i used to do that in recruitment um i was why are you not answering me why why and then you 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 know i think you mature in recruitment and you realize yeah this isn't the way and he's probably he's a lovely guy i'm sure and if he's listening to this sorry it's not worked out mate but just like just be a human being because nothing more i hate than like lots of people connecting with me and then i get basically the same message from 10 recruiters in one day because it just it makes me feel like the you don't feel the client's worth that time of, of communication. I mean, I know it's all a KPI game. Believe me, I've, I've been on that side of it. So I'm very sympathetic to agency recruiters. And there's one or two that um, I've been in the industry maybe a year or so, and they, for some reason, think I'm the, the best guy to ask advice on. So I just chat to them and, you know, because I, I want them to do well and I want them to write content that I'll enjoy reading. Um, so I, I'll, I'll have chats with them and stuff. It's just... It's a funny old world. I don't think enough people know how to to do it properly. And, you know, when you're working for, you know, a director or a business owner who's lived through that boiler room sales, Wolf Wall Street, 80s, 90s mentality, that is the culture. And if you don't tell that culture, you're out of a job. And, you know, these these guys and gals who are working for these agencies, you know, I don't think it's their fault. They're just, they're trying to make a living like all of us. uh, And we're just lucky enough to work in environments that let us be ourselves, I guess. Yeah, but also when you kind of look at that culture, um, it's making money. And yeah, when something's making money, nobody nobody beats it. Nobody walks away yeah. from it. They, they'll just continue flogging it. Um, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. Um, but so the ones that stand back and realize, I oh, know, guys, there's another way of doing that, and it makes yeah. the same amount of money with less churn of staff with less effort. Um, yeah. But I don't know, if the day it stops making money, mate, we'll see a massive change. Massive change. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think a lot of the onus is actually on the clients, like myself, to be more picky with the agencies they go to because it's such a low barrier to entry. And I can sit on my high horse and complain like, oh, I'm getting rubbish sales tactics and this, that and the other. But if I let those people through the door and I start paying the money, that worked for them. That's a viable tactic as far as they're concerned. And to be fair, so it should be. Um, so if you want, if you want to see true change in 
how this all works, then the, the onus is on the clients as much as on, on the agencies. The agencies are just serving a market that the clients have kind of created, and that's through paying like 15% contingent terms or refusing to even consider the words retainer. So like, what's a salesperson to do? Do you know what I mean? You know, 99% of my business comes from scorned clients mm. that have gone through that mill and then I've gone in there with a piece of literature that I've done or a content that I've done or, or yeah. an article that I've written that's opened their eyes a little bit. Uh, or I've just picked up the phone to them and I said, look, I know you're doing this, but you know, this is a person I'm working with at the moment. Would you be interested in speaking to them? And if they say yes, then we'd have that conversation. But then you start discovering it's because uh, the biggest recruitment agency in the country didn't fill the, the role, but got got the role on retained. So there's thirty grand yeah. disappeared, or God. you know, what I mean, they, they've got twenty agencies on the PSL, um, and X, Y, and Z has happened, and and they, you know, they've been let down, or the, you know, there's there's loads of these 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 real horrible stories. Some of the clients are going. I mean, the, one of my clients was sued by an agency. This is a really long story. I don't know if I can <laughs> <laughs> I just realized how long this story might be. Um, so basically, this agency kept sending the same set of candidates every six months to 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 this company. And um, to one of the managers in the company, by the way. And yeah. But in every time they sent it every, every six months, they uh, sent the terms of business as well. So they said every six months, kept sending it. Then this one particular month, the, the sales director spotted one of the candidates that had been so, sent to him about four or five times every six months. And, and he kind of went, do you know what? I want to interview Joe Bloggs. Let's, let's get him in. So they get Joe Bloggs in, and Joe Bloggs is like, oh, I'm happy where I am. Oh, so you're not looking then? No, I'm happy where I am. All right, then we'll move on. About yeah. a later, the managing director, a different person completely in this company, gets this mailer all of a sudden one day. And... Uh, he goes, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to tell them to go and do one. So he tells them to go and do one. And um, in at that moment in time, he's in the process of, of hiring Joe Bloggs. This is two or three years later. So yeah. he gets this invoice from this recruitment agency. You've hired Joe Bloggs, and, and um, so you owe us a fee. It's like, well, we engaged with you two years ago. We're outside of the terms of business. Yeah. But what this agency cleverly did was send the same six or seven candidates every six months, thus refreshing the the um, the terms of business every six months. And wow! When they went to court, the judge actually said, "I don't agree with this," but they followed the letter of the law. Oh man! Have to award them the fee. That's so sharky as well. And, and that's disgusting. Whereas. Me, my, me and this particular client, we've got a great relationship. We, we, we chew the fat nearly every week um, about crap, about the world. And, yeah. and, and he gives me jobs and stuff. And we've had moments where I, he said, oh, can you find me a warehouse guy? And I go, yeah, I can find you one. And he goes, how much do I owe you? Oh, just, just take the guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in, in working in the roles that I'm happy to work with, those little bitty roles. They give you the kudos and the business and the, yeah. they separate you from, from the other side of the, of the coin. Uh, and that's that's the thing like my my agency list at my current role like every single agent i've got in there i've met them face to face i've had phone calls and you go for a coffee and that or, or whatever but they're they're genuinely really nice people and i i know that i'm their the client and, and they're the agent that kind of thing but i just i see them as extended members of my team because they work really hard and like i know 
you know, some good guys. I'm, like, I'm sure they won't mind being ma- mentioned, but um, like Thomas Woodhams and Adam Todd from Clearpath Consulting. Oh. Like, I know them really well. They've, they've given me loads of help on things. And half the time they're like, oh, don't worry, you know, we'll, we'll sort it out for you. And I'm like, yeah, but no, don't, don't give me freebies in a way because like, at the end of the day you've you've got to keep the lights on and stuff as well and you know that's just how they are they they care about like looking after the client which is what it's about um i've got a guy called harry stafford i use a lot for it stuff he's great um he just he just gets it um so you know when you when you meet these agents it's it's like yeah it's possible to be a a damn good recruiter and, and go out there and you know Work, work hard for your clients and be a human being about it um and then you, you just meet some that that might not fit the way you'd like to work with them in which case that's why you've got a selection process in place but i think you know we need to value the work that both internals and a well just recruiters in general do because um it is seen as that industry where everyone falls into it and everyone's a shark and in it for the money it's like, actually no there's a lot more to it but i think you know the majority the, the the bad apples are far louder than than everyone else. The bad apples they get they're getting less and less. They're still freaking there though. Don't get me wrong. They're still out there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think they're reducing because because of the great work someone like Mitch Sullivan is doing, where he's making it awareness of what a good agency looks like and what a bad agency looks like, and that's standard fact. Mm. The bottom line of some of these dodgy ones, but then some of them are too big to fail. You know the. I, I'll, I'll mention their names. Michael Page is the Randstad, the Reeds of the world. They're too big to fail. So if they do shit in one department, mm. 40, 50 other departments backing them up. Um, yeah. Thousands of people working in them. So that will never change. The corporatized, which which in some respects are brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Some some elements of these corporate businesses, you know, they can take on huge bloody contracts, massive contracts, and service them really well, 98% fill rates. But then in some other areas, they're not very good at doing kind of SME or, or you know, they're not very good in, these, in, in the other areas. So, yeah, I lost my thread then. I'm kind of with you, but like, yeah, these, these massive recruitment agencies, they do have some good recruiters in them. That, I mean, that's how they keep making money, but... Yeah. Like when you're that massive, you've got that amount of money and just that reputation as well. It's always going to be be good for you. I mean, that's why I like to follow people. You know, like yourself, like your Kira's, your Sarah's, your um, oh, oh my mind's gone blank. Your, your Tim Chatways. He's written some fantastic blogs back then and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Even Josh Harris. Yeah, who's Josh is brilliant. He's a great. <laughs> and, and yeah. People like that, where they stand out and they get more views and likes and, 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 and business as well. They get a lot of business from being that standout person, whether you disagree with them or agree with them or not. It's, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Marketing is marketing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and what, what I like about all those individuals, apart from the fact that they all want to be on my D&D podcast, but it's just that um, they're they're them they're human and like i might not agree with everything they say entirely all of the time but you never do with people that you know because you're all human beings you're different but the fact that they're just themselves and they put themselves out there and they're like this is me accept it you know because i do I've, I've got tremendous respect for for anyone that does that really and they're not just the, the the only people i follow i follow lots of people and i just each and every one of them adds value to me in some way and that's why i i follow them and yeah. you know 
That's why I blocked com- people like Oleg and Hyacinth. <laughs> Who's the latest one I've blocked? Um, Kirsty Boner, is that her name? <laughs> Kirsty Bonner, I believe. Boner, um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, I just... I mean, it's it's so formulaic. It's the same thing over and over again, and all the stories are so obviously fake. And I'm like, why are people falling for this? And I, a few days ago, I wrote about it, saying, you know, people aren't thinking; they're just consuming now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kirsty got a bit of flack. She she wrote a post um, about a client who um, died. allegedly died, um, and she was like, "Oh, this happened two hours ago." Uh, by the way, you know it happens for these reasons, go do it. And, you know, lots of people have liked it and lots of people have said it's inappropriate and you shouldn't be posting about it too soon. And, you know, what she does with her content is, you know, what she wants on her page is not on mine, so I don't mind. But it's all like, I'm on it now, it's like, I quit, big statement, explanation, and then, you know, a little call to action at the bottom, like, any thoughts, do you agree? And it's all just to get likes and, and comments and the thing is that formula that formula does work but um you know it, it probably could be argued that my stuff might follow a similar formula but i'm just trying to do something a little bit different a little bit entertaining i think if, if you've got that urge to do it just, just do it. it i agree i agree i think and and trying to stand out i guess they'll stand out but but like like coming back to what you were saying about creating a, um, a, a clean linkedin of people that enrich what you do that you learn yep. from that is more important i get a lot of people trying to connect with me and if i look at their profile if they don't fit what i'm looking for in yeah that i want to have in my circle of, of connection then they don't come in uh, and yeah I, I, that sounds really horrible but the, I, I do it purposely josh will probably talk about this in the future with a future podcast about having yeah. having a clean linkedin he calls it clean linkedin and and the theory is basically you just you just put people you want around you and that's it yeah and i i kind of need to do that myself i've i've got maybe like 3000 connections so like not massive amounts but <laughs> this is going through them all individually and like unfriending or unconnecting with them but i just feel really mean because i wonder like if they'd ever like find my profile and be like oh hang on has he removed me why has he done that so i kind of just it's one of those it's one of those one of those problems that is in the corner of my eye and i'm like i know i need to deal with you it's a bit like the washing up but i was like i I just can't (laughs) so i just i'm being selective with my connections now um I mean, I, I like connecting with other recruiters or people that write good content or who I just find amusing. And I, I just do it on that way, really, um, as well as, you know, my day job stuff, which is, you know, finding higher education professionals or professional services people. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try and find good candidates on, on that, add them and, and talk to them. Um and I've, I've noticed since I sort of gave myself a bit of a LinkedIn facelift, you know, I put a, a professional photo that was more reflective of who I am. So I'm wearing like a flowery shirt and I've got a light bulb over my head because I was like, oh, look, an idea. Um, I noticed I, I actually got a bit more engagement from people. And I guess because it just looked like what people want to see, I guess. Um, and, and just was more me. It was more Tim Wood. And I, I guess when people like go on my profile i want them to know you know this is 100 percent who tim is i mean if you ask any of the 
the people we mutually know, you're like, what's Tim Wood like? They'll just tell you like sausage rolls or nights. And, and that's kind of, kind of what I've been going for, to be honest. And they might mention recruitment at some point in that as well. Yeah, but that's, that's fine though, that you're known for more things than just recruitment. How many recruiters are known on LinkedIn? Yeah. You know, and, and the ones, the same names keep coming up every time. It's the same people. Then they're obviously yeah. known for a lot more than just recruitment, which, which is true which is very true yeah but the, the thing is like i think people get lost in linkedin as well i mean when i started getting a bit more uh, like engagement i was like yeah let's do this let's push it let's push it and i thought well linkedin is a tool that i used to be good at my day job and if i start failing at being good at my day job then that's the objective loss so i got very quickly into that mindset of oh, i've got to, i've got to post this now i've got to write an article about this i oh i need to i need to get more influence and all this kind of stuff i was like oh hold on tim you're falling into that trap because like if, if i'm focusing on my linkedin every day every hour i'm not filling my you know 17 odd roles or whatever i've got going that day i've, I've got to be you know there for my stakeholders there for my team and you know if, if my boss needs to talk to me about anything he can do and then my linkedin is like is a tool for that purpose but also it's now become like the new cv so i want to keep it updated from that selfish point of view because you know five years down the line i want that network or those connections or i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't want to lose the personal value but i don't want to lose that professional value either because that's it's helped me get to where i am but where i am helps me you know keep my linkedin going i guess the equivalent to it is is your credit score and you're yeah. investing in it now you, you you're tailoring it you're making it work for you because you're going to need it in the future and if like at all if you don't have credit or you've never taken credit out before yeah come to get it there's nothing to go against you know there's, there's, exactly there's, there's a high chance of not getting credit if you do that so the same with your linkedin if you've got no no social media or you've got very basic social media mm. it comes to going for those jobs the promotions and stuff like that who are you why are you doing this what do people think of you and there's no influence in the exactly really important in that world really important well yeah because i mean one of the main points in my in my job description is to maintain a social media presence so you know i've, I've i need to do it for my job and i, I do it because i'm interested in it as well now i've got a vested interest because you know i'm doing some stuff with my own business and i've been like contributing to a bit of the higher right stuff as well um i mean i've, I've got like quite a few really nice recommendations from people I've worked with or done stuff for in the past. And that's really helped me, you know, particularly moving up to like the partnering level of recruitment. Cause I've only been in recruitment four years. The fact that I'm sort of running a department now is crazy to me. I'm like, wow, four years ago, I didn't even know what a job description was. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm here. Um, so, you know, I, it's crazy though, because I know people that have gone from a training recruiter uh, to managing a team in two years. And, yeah, and, and and I'm not saying they're doing a shit job or anything like that. I, I just think that that that's a bit too quick for my liking. However, yeah, they're making you know in in the external agency world, it's all about making money. So they're making money. Who cares? But, you know. But I think the like the too quick thing, like in a lot of cases, I guess that could be true. But if someone can do it. Yeah. Why not? I mean, that that's why I um I'm I was never a big fan of the years of experience thing when it was allowed, but. Like people look, oh, you need at least six years experience to do this. I'm like, but why? You're like six years experience to be, I don't know, a recruiter. You could have six years experience doing amazing stuff, great content. Your boolean is like absolutely lit, or um, like t 
Tim Chataway who can find technical people just like that. He's like a wizard. Um, or you could have six years just like recruiting for a place where they only have two jobs a year and that's it. Like it, it's the value of the quantity of, well, it's the quality, not, not the quantity of experience you've got. So, you know, there might be people out there who've done two years worth of working and they're absolutely amazing live managers. And then you've got people who've done it in four years or six years or, or what have you. Here's a quick story for you. Um, I remember uh, I went for a job interview with a company and um, they wanted someone to start a new division. And they hired, yeah. it was between me that had uh, four years of starting divisions and starting new teams uh, versus a guy, but uh, four different jobs, by the way, versus a guy mm. the same job for 10 years. And um, they hired him and he lasted two and a half months. Wow. The reason it lasted that long because he only had opened up one division and that was 10 years ago. And things, yeah. things have changed since then. The, you know, it, it, yeah. It's not the same. Um, I, and yeah, I remember having the, the rector rec phone me up saying, would you go? They regret hiring you. And I was like, no, I've got my own thing going on now. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, yeah, it's, there is something in that. There's some, there's, there's something you've got to understand the quality of what people's done. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it's like knowing your own sort of experience and limitations as well. I mean, if, if someone offered me like a executive director of international recruitment managing 60 recruiters, I'd be like, well, I'm flattered, but I'm, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I'm quite happy where I am, but I know where I want to go in the future with, you know, my own personal sort of plans that I've made. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing the things towards that. So I'm content. And I guess if you've got that contentment and you know you're good at what you do and, you know, you're, you're developing or even if you don't know that you're good at what you do, you, you probably are. Um, and if not, you can work on it. No more zero days. But yeah, I think that the key message is just you need to be happy in what you're doing at the end of the day. Otherwise, you're not going to have the energy or the inclination to keep improving or just delivering a, a quality service if you're in a service-based industry. That's it. That's it. Now, this is a super, super long podcast. It's like a special. I'm going to call it a special. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> um, I think we should end on, on what we were going to end on, which was talking about mental health, if that's all right. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And, and, and apologies to the listeners. I find I, I don't know about you. I, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcasts, and then Kevin Smith on Joe Rogan's podcast lasts for four and a half hours, and I listen wow. to every piece of it, <laughs> which is quite. <laughs> but I don't like sit there and listen to four and a half hours. I would listen to it in pieces throughout the day. So apologies to everyone's ears right now. <laughs> oh, they they probably switched off in the first 15 minutes when i was just rambling about i, I can't even remember what i was talking about back then but <laughs> they, or they skipped ahead yeah it's two years ago that was that's when we started <laughs> um, mental health come on tell us a little bit about mental health then because we, we we touched upon it on our phone call yesterday doing before this podcast yeah i mean i've i've not been a, a massive major sufferer uh, or anything like that i mean i've had a very fortunate upbringing i've come from a bit of a nuclear family my dad's a vicar you know i've was very lucky growing up with the circumstances i was in but i mean i guess the key thing for me is that imposter syndrome and sort of the anxiety associated with that um because it is such a a crippling thing and you know on a good day i'll look at all the the many side projects that i do and the skills that i've attained over the years and you know i've got to uh 
you know, a good standard in my, in my martial arts and my sort of medieval training. And I'm, I'm very proud of those accomplishments. But when, when the sort of the, the gray cloud comes over you, um, I, I become my worst enemy and I'm sort of ripping myself apart. I'm like, I'm useless. Everything I'm doing is awful. And it's, it's completely irrational. And I just, I'm very bad at looking after myself, even now, like, um, you know, trying to eat healthy and stuff. I fall off my, my zero days program more often than anyone else who's on it, maybe just cause you know, I've, I'm like, Oh, I want to stop eating junk food. And then I'll find myself walking to Greg's and buying those sausage rolls. And I'll be cursing myself every step of the way, not being nice at all. Um, ones are really good at that, the self assassination. We, we, yeah, we really, um, uh, uh, I've been watching the Matrix movies lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until, um, I don't know why I watched it. I just bored one evening. I thought I'll start watching Matrix and then it just carried on every night from there. Um, one of the things about, if you ever watch that movie, the reason why the world that they've created is just mundane and boring and day-to-day drudgery in life is because they created a paradise world and all humans did was just ruin it. Um, yeah so they created this world on monday that self-assassination is such a natural thing that we do i don't know the psychology yeah. i wish i could i wish i understood the psychology behind it so embracing it is the weirdest thing ever though because you know you're doing it it's like having a fight with yourself it's really strange yeah <laughs> and i've tried to i've tried to stop myself from doing it but then there'll be days where you'll you'll get to like two o'clock and you think oh i can't bother Why am I yeah and and that's the thing like oh oh it's like i look at myself in the mirror inside my head at evil tim and he's just like oh look at you 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 put a bit of weight on you used to be way more ripped than this and oh you you didn't answer all your emails at work today you're useless why can't you just do it or why are you playing games tim you should be working on your business or working on xyz and then i you know I'll, i'll believe that for a while but but like in the matrix mark when um, they made the world full of horror and vampire and the humans rejected that as well i i'm i guess i'm fortunate in myself i can get to that point where i'm like actually no i'm pretty dope like i've i've got, had four years in recruitment i'm now at the part, part part in my life where people are asking me to like be on their podcast or following my business venture or just sending me lovely messages and you know i've i've done xyz with martial arts i've done xyz with like my book i've done xyz in in my fitness and you know i've got a wonderful fiance who i'm getting married to this year and that's the most incredible thing to me and i I still can't believe i found somebody put up with my my stuff to be honest and it's the best feeling in the world so i mean i'm very lucky with with mental health i have those little blips like anyone else would but i know there's people out there in really dire circumstances and you know i i just i can't really offer any advice because i don't know what it's like to be in those positions i just hope that they they can find a way or or find a person or a service that can help them on that journey because when you walk around london you see people with really severe mental health issues they're homeless and every part of society just just shuns them and um you know th- these people don't even get a second look when you see them outside the tube not even like begging half the time they're just sat there and people just don't even look at them and it's just you know that's well that's it's not though. directly mental health that's the a massive extreme but even in the workplace like i i guess if i'm going to say anything is you don't know someone's story and what they might be going through or have gone through and that's just why 
you should just be kind to people. You you don't know if someone's had the, the, the best upbringing in life possible or whether they've had the best upbringing and they suffer very severely from uh, in, in itself uh, an illness. They can't help being that way. It's just how they are. And for, for me, I can't help beating myself up sometimes. I just need to make sure that I make sure the positive part of me wins because uh, I, I don't want to lose the, the lovely life that I have and the, the privileged position I, I've had in life as well. Um, you know, I've not come from a billionaire family, but, you know, I, I know I've had a damn sight lucky hand dealt to me over some people's circumstances that I've met or interacted with. And I just feel very blessed for that, really. But, you know, mental health is such a huge topic. It's probably its own separate podcast, to be honest, mate. I just... I think people need to have empathy for it at the end of the day, especially if you're in HR and you're looking at an employee case where someone might have presented those issues and you're thinking on how to deal with them. Just, it's not hard to be kind. It's not. And, and it's a hot potato subject for sure. I mean, and I know people that don't want to talk about it. Um, mm. Then people want to embrace it. But my only worry with it, and, and, and I say this as, as openly and honestly as, as I possibly can, is that some companies are embracing it all wrong. And yeah. it needs someone needs to stand up and start talking about it in such a way where, or a company needs to lead away with it. And if you can find that company who it is that's leading away with mental health, then when we yeah. do that example, there's too much talk about it. And then when you speak to people at work, there they're going, they don't do that. They don't give us that. It's just bullshit marketing. Yeah, and and it's all it's all sort of posturing during mental health week or whatever people yeah. going oh we really support this and that and the other and i've been reading some very good things about uh, david stone and an mrl group like the, the four-day working week and, and stuff like that and although not directly for mental health it's more employee well-being that will definitely have an effect for people because they'll, they'll be less knackered during the week i mean the times i've been really nasty to myself really down and just in the dumps you know i, I i'm not very great at going to bed early and stuff so i'm knackered it's a five-day week by friday i'm in a foul mood um yeah i need to look after myself better but like say someone had i don't know chronic fatigue syndrome or an autoimmune disorder and they're working a five-day week they might then be looking at companies like mrl group and thinking they do a four-day working week and you know that's there for their employees and i'm sure there's other wonderful benefits they have as well and more companies just need to to think like that i think they're really progressive in how they work and you know if i lived in or near brighton i would probably consider like chucking my cv in and crossing my fingers really hard but you know i I think that's fantastic and you know in a lot of sort of organizations you're seeing an increase more and more in flexi work and a lot of people still use it as a buzzword and have a go at you for working at home but you know there's other companies out there that are truly living that and i think just but mental health isn't like a box you open it's part of everyone's life so just try and focus on making sure. that employee life better working from home isn't the solution to, to all those things that working from home no is in my humblest opinion is freaking hard i've i've been doing it for the last four years now and i couldn't do it mate i've got too many game machines and well, food around but I, i've got a mountain bike downstairs that keeps staring at me every time i walk past it <laughs> it's like why are you not riding me right now you're not doing anything i am i'm gonna make a coffee then carry on and, and yeah <laughs> honestly i have arguments with it uh, but it's it's kind of like uh, if it, it i think the work-life balance for me and i've said this in a few podcasts before it, it's more work-life integration it's not about yeah. 
it's not about kind of you're working from home now. You're, this is your life. This is how your life works. You know, you, you could suddenly be sending an email uh, at 10, 12 o'clock at night just to keep the, the conversation moving with someone in, in Australia or in, in America. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're working for someone, you need to work out where that is. And I think sometimes to, to, to get that balance in work, you've got to understand what your job is first. You've got to get through that. Yeah. Build a trust up with your managers. But as long as they're trying to do that as well, and you're both yeah. towards that goal, great. But if you're not, oh, that's where I think the problems start. I really do. exactly. And I, I feel I have that with my own manager at work. I'm not just saying that because I know he might find this online and listen to it. But like yesterday, I needed to not be in the office for um, a family-related issue, and I literally texted him. I said, "Hi, really sorry, but I'm going to need to sort of." take today as annual leave because this, that, and that has happened. Like, I'll make up the hours. I'll do, 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 do this. And he was just like, Tim, it's fine. Just take what you need. I know you'll be in tomorrow. I know you'll get your work done. Um, you know, I came in at five past nine once. I went to his office. I'm really good at falling on my sword, by the way. I just go straight to his office. I'm sorry. I was five minutes late. Like, just sack me. Uh, and he was just like, like, dude, I know you'll make up the time. He's just like, I know you're the kind of person who'll beat yourself up about it. So just, you know, do what you need to. And, you know, having that confidence now and having worked with him for, for a little bit, I know that I've got that sort of support and that I'm trusted basically to do my job. And it's a similar concept for when you're, you like working with kids or teaching a, a kid a martial art. Like, you know, if you give them just a little bit of responsibility and agency, you know, they will give you all of that sort of respect and loyalty even back because you've shown that little bit of consideration and, and trust in them so if if like you said with the work-life integration like just trust your employees a little bit because you hired them at the end of the day and if you can't trust someone that you hired something wrong with your recruitment <laughs> yeah it's and also if if they are at any moment in, in their working career with you kind of they have no purpose they have no mastery they have no agency of what they do then everything you're you're doing in that business is is wrong because what you'll then get is churn and you'll constantly always be looking for new staff, which I think is most costly. I work in recruitment. I know how much it costs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, businesses literally exist to help companies with their recruitment. Like, <laughs> you know, I use recruitment agencies. I can't fill every role on my own. Otherwise, I don't know. I'd be paid a lot more. Um it's just that thing, but I think that the process has got to work. It's got to be human. And, um, you know, some good tips I've picked up, I've put into practice and I've, I've built a little career for myself out of it. So I'm, I'm very pleased with that. And, you know, anyone can do that really. You just put the effort in and, and do the research. And I think we better stop the podcast. There because we, we better. Otherwise we'll be going on all night. All uh, as night. Mu- as lovely as it would be just, just chat with you oh, all the time. Well, I've got your number now, so I can just WhatsApp you. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, we're going to have random WhatsApps like we've been doing pretty much all day about Dragon Custard. That's the yes. future podcast, that is. <laughs> the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you, if you follow Hot Rolls on LinkedIn or you Google it, um, yeah. am I allowed to plug it, Mark? Can I oh, do a little cheeky plug? plug? Away. Keep plugging. Here you go on if you go on www.hotrolls.co.uk, you can find all your Dungeons & Dragons tabletop RPG needs. There we go. That was my, my radio voice. I hope you liked it. It's great. It's great. I'll, I'll get you to do some voiceovers soon. Uh, hey, absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for entertaining me. 
so late at night and, as well. <laughs> yes, and, and thank you for having me on your podcast. I've always wanted to be on a podcast and talk, and now I've done it, so thank you. No worries. Take it easy, mate. Bye-bye. You too, matey. Take care now. So I really hope you enjoyed that. I won't take too much of your time because this was a super long edition of it. But reach out to Tim. Check him out. Check out Higher Right Talent as well. It's not just Tim. It's Kira and Sarah as well involved with that. And I think they're going to go places. Very talented guys, all three of them. Um, so, yeah, reach out to them. I hope you enjoyed. Take care. Bye.